0: Thank you. Welcome to episode 32 of the Search With Candor podcast, recorded on Friday the 18th of October 2019. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and as usual, I'm joined by Mr. Bob Lewis. Hello. And today, you are in for a treat. We have got a special episode for you. We are going to be talking all about Black Hat PBC, so Black Hat Paperclip. What are people doing that's breaking Google's rules, how are they getting away with it, and how are they making money from it? really excited about this episode because i haven't i've I've only scanned over rob's notes to get the headlines about what he's going to be talking about i actually don't know that much about black hat ppc myself Um, and that's probably a good thing so i'm just going to fire questions at you as you're talking um so i might interrupt you a few times if i don't understand something you're saying and before we begin I, i think it's a good idea just to very quickly define what we mean when we say black hat so in terms of computing that term is used a little bit differently to marketing so in computing especially in security you'll get white hat and black hat practitioners and generally when you're referring computing to someone who's a black hat practitioner it will be because they're doing things that are normally illegal so black hat security people might be trying to break into systems they don't have permission to for instance um in terms of digital marketing the most common association is probably with seo so black hat seo and the specific definition here of black hat seo for me at least and for the context we'll be talking in is black hat seo refers to seo that just is against these search engines or in this case against google's terms and conditions their guidelines which means it's not necessarily um, anything illegal you're doing it's just google says here's how we want you to operate here are the rules if you break them we might you know, suspend your website, your, your account or whatever it is if you're doing Google ads. Of course, it doesn't mean they're exclusively not illegal things. So in terms of Hat SEO, a common technique now is you see people um, get their websites hacked and they have links injected into them. And this is, of course, Google doesn't want you to do this. It's hat SEO, but it's also illegal as well. But I think it's just important to clear up when people talk about blackout techniques. They're not necessarily talking about really naughty things. It's just whether you want to obey Google's rules, which is your choice at the end of the day. Um, And so we're going to talk about Google Ads, right? We are. Yes. So I'm just going to (laughs) kind of give the mic to you now, Rob, and uh, interrupt you. I'm I'm just going to probably put my hand up when I have a question. Go for it. okay Uh, so yeah tell us about black hat tell us about what people are doing why google doesn't want them to do it and why they're
1: doing it how they're making money from it fine okay well this talk is going to focus on black hat pay-per-click search techniques um, as opposed to black hat techniques that people carry out in order to drive clicks on their website through adsense advertising um, so for anyone that doesn't know what AdSense advertising is, it's when you can monetize your website by showing banner advertising on your own um, publishing space and you get money for every time someone clicks on your adverts. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about black hat techniques that pay-per-click marketers may or may not carry out. Um, and I suppose it'll help just to start off with an example. And uh, the first one is dub- double serving, which is where um as the name suggests you're serving an advert more than once at the same time i know about this one you do (laughs) would you like to explain this one Uh, absolutely not okay so um double serving is something that we come across from time to time um strangely enough it's it's very rife in the real estate business and the solicitor or lawyer sector um i don't know why the latter one specifically um You'd think that they would be very white hat, but in my experience, there's a lot of solicitors that that have, uh, like to dabble in double serving. <laughs> so essentially, double serving is where you show uh, a Google advert at the same time, um, but you show more than one. So you show more than one advert at the same time for the same search. So someone could be carrying out a search for customized coffee mugs. Um, and three adverts may appear, two or more of which may be from the same advertiser. Now, really only one advert should show for one search at any given time. It's okay to have a shopping advert appear and a search advert appear. That's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more than one search advert appearing at the same time um, for a single search query. And the way that businesses tend to get around that is by creating a number of fake I call them fake businesses. They're more like sister companies, branch offs of their main company with a different website domain and a a slightly different brand, but exactly the same product offering. And if you were to research the business, you'd find that they probably have the same business address, the same head office.
0: It sounds like when companies are creating shell companies to do stuff with tax. Exactly. (laughs) It's
1: exactly the same, but it's to do with having their advert show multiple times for the same search. Um, and they're doing it, I guess, for two reasons. One is they want a monopoly for certain keywords. They only want they want to take a, as, up as much of Google's premium advertising space as possible. Um, they want to, I guess, more effectively control their cost per click. Um, and they just want all the business, essentially. Um, so I guess
0: if you've got a big budget and you could get away with double, triple, quadruple serving, yeah. you, you're you essentially starving off your competitors, maybe at a cost to yourself, but yeah. you're just preventing them from that whole area.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't see it that often, um, but when I have seen it, it's always been the offenders that do it, they know exactly what they're doing and they know they're going to get caught. It's as if they've always got a spare website in production ready for the next double serving scheme that they're doing. <laughs> um, and you can... You can report them to Google, but when Google identifies someone who is double-serving, what they tend to do is merge all of the accounts into one. So, they don't block, they don't ban them from advertising on Google. They just, I give them a slap on the wrist and say, don't do that. Um, So,
0: there isn't a huge
1: downside there isn't, but I personally wouldn't want to risk it. If my lifeblood was through Google Ads advertising, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to run the risk of being told that I can never advertise on their platform again. And
0: what, what's the what's the vector of reporting if you see someone doing this? How do you? What's the best way to go about telling? There telling is tales?
1: there is <laughs> there is um a support form for Google where you can report adverts that are breaking policies. Um, in most cases. They will look into it within two or three days, but from what I've heard regarding double serving, it can sometimes take up to a month for them to actually do something about it once they've identified a website as double serving. So That's
0: a significant amount of time in mm. some areas with a lot of searches. Yeah. so a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Um, but double serving is a massive no-no, and you'll find it as one of their top um, policies on their policy center.
0: I guess it's one of the things you could kind of do accidentally as well if you didn't if you didn't know about that rule and you had you know some sort of sub brands if you like you're selling the same things. I've encountered companies that basically sell the same products under two different brands to two yeah. different audiences and they
1: could be guilty of that almost without knowing, right? Absolutely. And um I did actually do an investigation about double serving the other year um for uh, this kind of thing that came up for a client actually and we, we spent some time speaking with Google about what actually constitutes um a business being too similar to, so that it falls under the double yeah. serving category and they came back with an email saying that the branding needs to be I can't offer I don't have the data in front of me un- un- annoyingly but it was something like it has the branding and the product offering has to have a 65% difference. I'm not entirely sure the exact figure they gave but i I thought at the time well how do you measure the difference in cost and branding to be able to safely run a double serving campaign I and mean, it's perfectly normal for businesses to launch different ventures or for stakeholders of companies owners of companies to have different businesses that sell a similar product but here's google saying there's a specific rule where there's a difference and if you break that difference then one account could get barred and oh, it's just it's quite a gray area. That's
0: a really specific percentage. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you
1: what I'll do. I'll find the percentage after this and uh, maybe we can post it. And we
0: need we need the formula as well, of course, of how to calculate that, that percentage. Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> Google in its infinite wisdom very rarely gives you definitive oh, answers. Yeah, that's but um, the, short, the short answer with double serving is, yes, it, you can accidentally do it, but you're more likely to accidentally do it if you have multiple Google Ads accounts. If you have a single Google Ads account, and you have the same keyword appear multiple times, ads are only going to show um, for the keywords or ads that are driving the highest ad rank. So you're unlikely to double serve accidentally if you're only using one Google Ads account.
0: Cool. So what else have we got apart from double serving?
1: Uh, Stealing other people's trademarks and using them in your ad copy. So. If anyone's listening and they've had this problem, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's when a competitor isn't just bidding on your brand name as a keyword, which is allowed, and Google Ads allow that, but it's where the your competitor is also using your trademark in their own ad text. And in the cases that I've dealt with, when I've had to appeal these things, I've always tried to contact the agency or the advertiser directly before I go through Google. Um, and most of the time they'd always say the same excuse which is that it was an accident because they were bidding on the brand keyword but that the keyword was dynamically inserted automatically into the advert. That's convenient. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like to think that if you're monitoring a pay-per-click campaign and you've got dynamic insertion on your ads and the keywords are going to be inserted you're going to know that that's going to happen and you'd like to keep an eye as to what type of keywords are Generating impressions of your ads. So if you've got a competitor campaign that's bidding on your competitors, and you're using keyword insertion, it's a given that that's going to happen. In in my experience, most advertisers, the moment you say you're in breach of our trademark, you don't have permission to use it, please remove it. The advertiser um, is generally pretty quick to do something about that. Yeah, because there is actual laws around that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's but but I've also seen cases where people, you see. Is that black hat? I'd say maybe what I've just explained is grey hat. but Isn't grey hat just black hat you can get away with? Possibly, yes. But, um, <laughs> That's this my is where, SEO definition, well, at least. On, on the subject of trademark, um, using someone else's trademark without permission, I'd say it gets into black hat territory where people are brazenly using your trademark, but they're trying to change the context of its usage. Okay. So I'm gonna try. I'm gonna give a really bad made-up example here. I can't wait for this. <laughs> Imagine if you were bidding on the the term Amazon because you were a bit like, obviously not as big as Amazon, but you're trying to set up a store that's like Amazon. You couldn't get away with saying in your ad text, "Don't shop at Amazon, shop here." They wouldn't like that. So an advertiser may try getting away with something like, "Shopping that's so hot, it's hotter than the Amazon." <laughs> And then mm. bid on the brand name Amazon. You know that's a terrible example, but that's the I've, I've that's what people do. I've so I guess, seen it. I guess including
0: the um, including that trademark in the ad text is going to do a few things. It's it's probably going to improve click through rate just yeah. because people have typed that word and then they see that word and they're not going to spend ages reading it. Yes, it might just click. And I guess it has a small impact on the kind of quality score because you're yeah. matching the ad to the keyword, right? So that means that. You're paying less per click if you can get yeah. away with that.
1: Competitive brand bidding typically generates um, lower quality scores because the brand name ge- often, not always, but often doesn't have anything to do with the product that, on which yeah. you want to, to bid on. Um, so it often makes sense to put the competitive brand name in the ad text. But of course, you're not allowed to do that because you don't have permission to use that trademark. Um But as with um, the double serving, if you see a competitor doing that um, and you're not having any luck speaking to them directly, you can always um, submit a complaint through to Google. Um, They will ask you in this particular case um, to provide details of the copyright owner, show proof that you are the copyright owner. And it can be a bit of a long winded process and I'm not going to lie, it can sometimes be a bit frustrating um, when other um, competitors are using your brand name and they're not allowed to. But um, Google have to abide by EU regulations and other laws. So um, ultimately, if if someone's infringing on your copyright, Google, um, and you can prove that they are, then Google have to stop the advertiser from bidding on it.
0: There's a whole other and highly contested subject around brand bidding and whether it's worth being on your own brand and Hmm. brands bidding on other brands. Because I saw there was quite a, a... a viral tweet uh from the people at base camp who mm. were bemoaning the fact they had to bid on their own brand name to protect it because their competitors were and there's a big dis- sort of discussion around that and whether you know some people don't realize their ads so you have to bid and then the whole case of when you start bidding on your own brand name it forces prices up mm. for other people kind of so it doesn't make it as
1: worthwhile but anyway
0: let's not get sidetracked okay. on that so uh, we've done double serving, we've done trademark stuff. Okay. What else have we got?
1: Um, people that use pay-per-click to sell products that they're not allowed to sell through pay-per-click. Um, um, so Google have a number of products that are non-compliant or they disallow them. You're not allowed to sell them. And I'm not necessarily talking about illegal items, although I'm sure people do try selling illegal items through Google pay-per-click from time to time. But I'm talking about things that um, Google specifically doesn't want you to sell and has banned them. So things like hacking software, certain types of medical products that it may deem to be immoral to try and sell to people, e-cigarettes, for example, Google has a ban on those. Um, basically anything Google doesn't want showing up in its feed it doesn't want you to dirty its feed with the things that it deems are morally questionable or which could potentially be unsafe to people but may not necessarily be illegal to sell um, so typically if you if you were to try and sell that sort of thing from on Google you, the adverts would usually be automatically disapproved um, it'll scan the landing page it'll scan the ad text and you wouldn't be able to, to sell it. But um, when I, I used to freelance a while back. And one of the things that I was frequently approached to do by random advertisers was to sell things that are non-compliant on Google. And I found this really interesting. That thought was this whole other business of people selling stuff that Google specifically say that you're not allowed to do. And um, I, was, I was thinking about this. I, I, I never worked with any of these people, but I often wondered how they got away with it. And I thought about it for a while, and I thought the only way I can see that they would do it would be to sell them through shopping ads, but first of all, submit a compliant shopping feed, build up enough um, background history. Um, and then once the shopping feed had been manually reviewed by a human at Google... Um, start implementing things and trying to cloak them and selling the items that Google doesn't allow.
0: So I guess buying time. So with just like in SEO, brand new websites mm. tend to be under much closer scrutiny than ones that have been around for years and years, which mm. is why there's been a, a huge trade in, in catching domains that are relevant to your your niche, your kind of category yeah. that have a backlink profile. Um, because basically they they appear to be more trusted by google so you can of you've got mm. a bit of width to get away with these things when
1: you consider the amount of people that use google i appreciate that's such an understatement but <laughs> the, yeah. the sheer amount of people every day every minute of the day who are carrying out a search to buy a product on google if you can appear as if you can be the only person to appear for a product that google doesn't allow even for the space of 24 hours Imagine if you can get away with it for a week, for a month, you're going to get a lot of visibility for your brand for that product Mm -hmm. and you're going to probably generate a lot of revenue, which is why people do it. So on that note, slightly separate, but I think it's related. I also used to have quite a few merchants or advertisers contact me asking if I had personal Google ad accounts for sale with, with and they would specifically state that it had to have at least a year's worth of history. And of course, I'd never do that. I'd never want to sell accounts. I mean, I, what are they going to do with it? It just sounds sounds wrong, sounds illegal. <laughs> um,
0: so, so you definitely didn't do that, just to get that Just unrecorded. to
1: clarify, I definitely didn't. <laughs> I haven't done any of these things, to be clear. Um, but the only thing I could think of is that, much like what you were saying with... Um, a new SEO site is under closer scrutiny, I would assume that a Google Ads account with several years worth of billing history is going to get under a lot less scrutiny and less likely to get banned than a new account yeah. that's instantly committed of policy violation. Sense, yeah. So they probably want to buy, and it obviously happens because I've been contacted by it, and if anyone else is listening and they've been contacted, it'd be really interesting to hear um, what they were offering. But I I assume they're doing that because they want to sell disallowed products products that aren't allowed to be sold on google and they want to make a fast buck essentially that's a super black hat that one yeah yeah um giving one. me ideas though rob i really <laughs> i can see carry your on. brain ticking no, carry on joking. um the next one i'd like to talk about is affiliate brand bidding and mark you know all about affiliates being a successful ex-affiliate yourself
0: <laughs> i've done a done a few affiliate things yeah
1: yeah um Well, I used to manage some affiliate accounts for some some big brands a while back. I don't do it anymore. I'm out of touch with it. But when I I did used to do it, one of the things that used to really annoy me was affiliate publishers bidding on your brand on pay-per-click. Even though the terms and conditions specifically stated no brand bidding on pay-per-click.
0: Yeah, we don't care about that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 Clearly not. Um, So maybe, Mark, you should explain how affiliate affiliate marketing works very quickly because you'll explain right. it more eloquently than i will
0: oh, i don't know about that so affiliate marketing essentially you're gonna have two parts of this puzzle you have the merchant which is you the 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 company the producer of the products or the the provider of the services and you will have affiliates who will take part in your affiliate scheme and generally how it will work is these people will do things to drive you traffic which may be the might advertise you in their email list, they might write content about your products and services that attracts um, search engine traffic, they might actually just bid, um, like we're talking about now, on paid services like Google Ads, like Quora to um, get interested people. And basically, they will click links to your website, and if they go ahead and purchase the product or service within a predefined time frame, Usually the merchant, although there are some what I'd call black hat merchants out there, usually the merchant will pay the affiliate a commission for that sale. Is that good enough for you? That was perfect. Yeah, thanks.
1: Um, So one of the problems I used to have was affiliates, publishers consistently breaking the terms and conditions. And most of the time you'll pick it up and you'll just decline their commission. You'll go, nope. And then you can, as as the advertiser, you, you can either give them a warning and tell them not to do it again. Or you can ban them from the program because they're consistently in breach of the terms of service. Um, What I found for, and and this happens as well with some pretty big publishers that I'd sometimes work with, is that they used to get really cheeky with the brand bidding. And what they would do is they would exclude, they would do their research. They'd find out who the marketing agency was or whereabouts the actual advertiser was based. And they would exclude their pay-per-click brand ads from showing in those locations. And so back then what I used to do was often I'd I'd change my Google location settings to say that I was somewhere else. Rather than being based in Norwich, I'd say that I was in Nuneaton, for example, and I'd do a search for the brand and I'd see that the the offending pay-per-click brand advert appear. So, and this is when I was quite a new affiliate manager and I'd see it happen time and time again. So it prompted me to, to, to... spend more time in analytics looking at dubious traffic um from affiliates that have an incredibly high conversion rate Mm -hmm. that goes straight to the home page um so if if anyone is having an affiliate campaign managed or you're managing it yourself do have a look at really high converting affiliates that consistently send people to the home page that have a conversion rate that's equal if not slightly different to your typical brand conversion rate because the likelihood is they're just sending brand traffic to your site and borrowing brand traffic that you would have got anyway that's my i don't know what mark's uh, ex-affiliate opinion is on that one
0: <laughs> well you have to make a living
1: okay fair <laughs> enough uh speaking of affiliates i did have a thought the other day um about the pay for conversions model on google ads we were having this discussion weren't yes
0: we? this was a very interesting discussion
1: Um, and how it could potentially be used to generate lots of free traffic. So just to very quickly explain, if you generate over 100 conversions a month in Google Ads, then you may be eligible to, um, rather than use pay-per-click bidding or pay-per-impression bidding for display campaigns, you can use pay-for-conversions, where you only pay if a conversion has been generated. So a while back, I thought, well, why don't you just create a conversion goal that fires really easily like an engagement goal for like when someone spends 20 seconds on the website it fires a goal within a day or so you're going to have or probably sooner than a day you're going to have at least 100 conversions and then you're going to be eligible for pay for conversions i spoke to a google account manager about this once and they said yeah there's nothing wrong with doing that it was from google that's what they said um i I don't know if that person probably fully grasped where you were going funnily enough i've not actually no i haven't actually spoken to that that account managers disappeared off the radar now but um (laughs) what what i I was going to say is it got me thinking the other day if i were an affiliate i would definitely use the pay for conversions model on display advertising i would create a goal that generates and fires really easily and then once I'm eligible for pay for conversions, I would just set up a new display campaign, set it to pay for conversions on my standard sales or goal. I'd get thousands and thousands of free clicks. And then every time someone clicked, I'd drop my affiliate link through to the, uh, to the merchant's website. And then I'd, I'd imagine that would be a really cheap rate to get potentially thousands of impressions and clicks at a low to zero cost. So that
0: we're absolutely not condoning. No. But it's, I just, an, it it's a, an interesting thought. I wonder
1: if anyone's done it.
0: I'm absolutely sh- sure someone's done that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty black hat.
1: If not, I'm sure someone will now. That's one of those ones where it's probably in breach of Google's terms of service. In fact, I'd say it probably definitely is. But at the same time, there's probably not a, spe- definitely. Prob- there's not a, probably not a specific policy talking about misuse of the pay for conversions model. If there is, I've not seen it. I just thought it was an interesting one to throw out there for discussion.
0: Merchants beware.
1: Mm. Uh, Just a a quick one on Black Hat stuff. Um, Creepy personalized advertising. I love a creepy personalized advertising. Really? I've been getting one lately. I don't know if you've been getting it too.
0: There's a a new uh, feedback thing I saw a screenshot of on Facebook uh, for why did you hide this ad? And it gives you some options like, Mm. you know, I wasn't interested in seeing it too many times. And one of the options is it knows too much. (laughs) It's one of the (laughs) options, the feedback options now for Facebook
1: ads. Well, I wasn't too happy the other day when I got served a Google display advert and it said, um, we miss you, Candor Agency. So which obviously the company for whom I work. It knew where I worked and it actually said, we miss you, Candor Agency. I won't say who that advertiser is a pretty big advertiser. And I thought, well, that's that's definitely in breach of Google's terms of service. I don't know whether the company knows that they are or not, but I'm waiting for the advert to be shown to me again so I can take a screenshot and then have a discussion with their marketing manager. I just thought it'd be interesting. Yeah, nobody be like, likes a grass. Well, <laughs> I'm just one of those people. I like to write complaint letters. <laughs> um, I just thought, you know, you uh, it's, it's against uh, Google's terms of service to create personalized ads that give away personal information or that infer um, personal traits or certain traits about the user. And that definitely bre- breached that because it said where I worked.
0: That's kind of interesting because you're allowed to target the ads based on these things, right? Yes,
1: But there's a <laughs> policy that you're
0: basically not allowed to make the end user aware that that's mm.
1: how you're targeting. Them. Yeah. I mean, those ads probably... Uh, if uh, maybe i haven't seen them for the last few days because they've been flagged and they've been banned by google but i imagine they've got pretty high click-through rates you know these personalized ads but again they're breaking google's terms of service
0: i think facebook did something um similar where you could essentially when you could import the email addresses they had a really tiny amount i think when it first launched you could target by a list of email addresses and at the very start you could just use one yeah. So if you got hold of one person's email address, you could do like a personalized job advert yeah. just to them, mm-hmm. which obviously is in- incredibly to creepy. Fa-
1: to Facebook's credit, they've recently started, I think ever since the Cambridge Analytica scandal, they've really tightened up um, the type of targeting and the type of messaging you can do. Yeah. Um, I know um, in the medical sector, for example, um, people used to use Facebook to target the, um, um, potential patients um, for you know various medical products and services because it's a lot easier to do so on facebook and i know facebook have been um tightening that side of things up so um i think they're i think taking... you can see where they get the data from now on ads can't you so yeah. you can see how you were targeted as well yeah and i know they've been advertising on tv as well recently i don't know if you've seen the new facebook adverts about how you can secure your identity online and, and control your privacy settings so they're making a lot of changes there um, i guess i've gone on a bit of a tangent there but um when it, comes to pers- when it comes to personalised banner advertising um, that includes your name or your place of work, is definitely against Google's terms of service. Um, I'd need to speak to a um, GDPR lawyer to have more yeah, information we don't, about it. No. Nobody wants us to talk about GDPR. No, definitely That's not. boring. No. <laughs> um, let's move on to the next one. We're near the end. Um, downright fraud. Just being fraudulent. um, Uh, so using google ads or bing ads you know there are other search engines you can use Um, using um, pay-per-click activity specifically to trick users whether it's to steal their data maybe their bank card details anything and uh, i i see this very rarely nowadays i can't actually remember the last time i saw a potentially fraudulent ad on google search results although i did see one on bing a while back but never mind um So Google's pretty much on the ball with this type of thing. So just just to give a couple of examples, I know a few years back in Google, I noticed a spate of ads where I was looking for a customer service number for my bank. And I would type in specifically customer service number for my bank. And a pay-per-click advert would appear saying, click here for the phone number for your bank. And I'd click on the ad and it would have a list of numbers and I'd think, these numbers don't look right to me. Some of them look quite expensive to call. They begin with 09. And and, and I just thought, that's just, why did that ad get allowed? So these are basically
0: premium rate numbers. So people were assuming they could, if enough people called, they could make more money from them not realizing their darling premium rate numbers oh. than they were spending on the ad clicks.
1: But if that type of advert could have got through a few years back, mm-hmm. then presumably another type of advert could come through where, even worse, you call up, someone in a call centre answers and asks your account number, asks your password, asks your ID.
0: That's definitely the case. So, specifically, I saw a chap called Rob Kerry, uh used to, I think he found, one of the founders of IEMA agency, he did a demonstration for a bank, just running a, a PPC ad for the brand name mm. of bank and pointing out there's not a lot of controls here and it doesn't take many people mm. if they click on this ad to you know just clone even clone the website yeah. and just sit there and wait for people to put their login information in.
1: Yeah, I know that they're getting cleverer and cleverer these fraudsters, and um, I'd like to think as well that um, Google is. Getting pretty good at automatically identifying these potentially fraudulent activities as well. So I have to say, I've not seen anything like that recently. Um, I don't know. It's kind of critical for their yeah, Google Ads businesses definitely. So, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, keep an eye out on that. If you if you, go, if you type in um if you do a Google search for your bank's customer service number and an advert appears that isn't being directed to your bank, then just be careful. Um,
0: it does not just Again, going off on tangent mm. you get this security advice of you should never um click on links and emails from mm. stuff like your bank. And obviously if we're saying you there are cases you need to be careful from search as well. Yeah. It just <laughs> circles around to this, you need to type in the URL. But yeah. then we've got browsers that are hiding or hiding parts of mm. URLs now. So
1: Yeah. It's still pretty difficult I to stay We're, safe, not, we're right? not trying to instill fear, obviously. As I say, just I don't little, see this very often. You Halloween, just need to so. keep your wits about you, don't you? <laughs> Um, OK, well, just to finish off everything I've been speaking about, um, Google actually has a, a policy um, that it doesn't like you breaking and it takes it very seriously. And the policy is called circumventing rules. And um, that sounds like a very general policy. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're not allowed to do anything designed to cloak activities that are not allowed in Google's terms of service. So that may include doing things like um blocking certain types of Google bots from arriving on your website, um, cloaking the content in certain ways. I you know Mark probably more yeah. the technical the technical. So, so implications yeah, if we're getting into
0: cloaking, what, what we're talking about there is so Google's gonna be doing a lot of these checks, I would guess, automatically. So we've spoken about how Google tends to use a lot of systems where they go and investigate a page automatically and then I imagine they have some kind of scoring system that flags up suspicious activity. So cloaking, again, is a is kind of an old technique in SEO and it's got some legitimate uses now, which is where you can your website can detect um, if it's a user or if it's a robot visiting and you can serve different content to them. Um, so that maybe can be used to when you've got a Google Ads bot checking out the content of your site, you're showing them one thing and then potentially showing users another thing Yeah, that land on your yeah. site.
1: So you're tricking uh, what Google can see in order to um, show what you want the users to see. Um, that's obviously a big no-no and that would fall under circumventing rules. Um, other things as well, like creating scripts designed specifically to allow you to do things that Google won't let you do in the interface that it definitely doesn't want you to do. So if Google thinks that you're circumventing its system in order to break its rules, then that's that's a definite policy violation, and you're likely to get your account suspended. Um, so um, I, I, I thought I'd end on that note, just because um, it kind of it's encapsulates. It's a bit of a catch-all, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 Um, don't do anything naughty. Is what is is the <laughs> great, too, too great, long didn't read?
0: Great general life advice. Don't yeah. do anything naughty. <laughs> or don't do anything naughty if you're going to get caught yeah (laughs) thank you so much rob you're welcome. that was really really interesting um we've gone on we're over half an hour we'd like to try and keep these podcasts short so i will say thank you very much for listening if you do enjoy these podcasts i'm gonna say it please do subscribe rob thank you very much and we will see you in one week's time so next monday is going to be the 28th of october just before halloween and we will likely have a regular episode for you with our search news and what's been changing to try and make your lives a bit easier hope you all have a great week